everybody to another episode. Nick Lamb, are you with me in this house? Have you come on? Nick Lamb, where are you at? <laughs> right All here. right, Nick, Nick Lamb's here. Nick's with me. My name's Emery. This is Just Two Camera Guys, a show where we're going to talk about all things camera and uh except for today where we're yeah. going to talk about things nft um mm-hmm. again just like uh another episode we may have had this is the one that is also getting cut together post uh we we actually today just did an interview with paul druin which is yes. going to be sort of the main part of this um well thanks for coming on paul and doing yeah. this for us yeah it's big dave Big day for us today on the NFT front. Big, big day. Yeah. Did you guys launch everything today? Uh, I don't know if the I don't know if the store opened today, but um, there is some there's some really cool and uh, there was some really cool developments within our ecosystem today, and uh, we'll be taking advantage of those ecos of those changes, and then it'll be more. It's going to be real interesting where the creative goes. So for us, it's um, yeah, it's a good. Uh, there's a lot of work to do, so it's good. Um, speaking of that work, then, can you kind of give us an idea of everything you guys are doing and have done or will be doing? So to get you guys started, um, we were approached last year by uh, what's called the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports League. It's a group of guys and girls out of Saskatoon, uh, most of them out of Saskatoon, who had come up with a, um, an opportunity to create uh, fantasy sports by the sale of actual franchises. So think of it like we would be buying, there's a draft, there's an auction, and you purchase a team inside of this ecosystem. So let's just say we're going to use American football, uh, UFAFL. And you have an opportunity to buy a team and you buy it using that organization's crypto. So in our case, it's the score token. And then you operate um, on their blockchain, which is a Zillica blockchain, and you go out and you have, a fa- it's like FanDuel or uh, DraftKings. So they came to us uh, to develop better creative for their podcasts and also just some of from their overall branding. And when the idea uh, was born, just actually, it's going to be about five months now, I guess, yeah, five months in the middle of December, um, of the NFT DA, which is the NFT Digital Athlete. And We've been working on that project ever since and delivering um, multiple players in different form, whether they be a digital athlete or a collectible now. And we'll be, we delivered uh, five more today, uh, including work with uh, Eric Metcalf. And um, this week went into production was Ryan Malone. I don't know if you guys remember Ryan. He played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was also involved in a big initiative called uh, Save RMU University uh, Hockey in west pennsylvania which is just actually in the process now of raising about a million and a third dollar so it's cool so you talk about assets that you guys are creating so what are the assets you guys are actually creating so we're creating our we create full motion uh 3d uh full motion 3d assets so i think i've i sent you guys a couple samples you can probably put that up but what they are is it's a sequence of um different different pieces in an animation that highlight, an, at, at least on the Hall of Fame version, they highlight the athlete's entire career. So if you look at the one that's posted on UFFS NFTs, you'll see Eric Metcalf and it's different points in his career, whether he went to where he went to college, when he played in the pros, when he went into the Hall of Fame. And then at the end, just so everybody gets the idea of what we're delivering, the asset includes a physical, includes his digital uh, player's card. 
which creates a whole other, which kicks off a whole bunch of other stuff. So we create those in conjunction with the athlete. Um, the, as the, the assets are all uh, original creations. So we'll look at a um, multitude of different images, both supplied by the player, available publicly. Uh, and we create original artwork based on the inspiration around uh, that, that look and feel. So if it was Emery, it would be him uh, sitting on the TV, sitting by the TV, uh, like watching a movie or something? On the like glow. That? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pro star yep. athlete. Pro star. Um, Nothing wrong with that. You touched on two things there that I, I kind of want to get into. I'm not too sure which one first, but uh, you talk about original content um, mm -hmm. and publicly available content. Uh, why is that important? Well, that has all to do with Canadian copyright. So the one thing that people have to realize is that when you're creating an NFT, you simply can't go out. Let's say I took a picture of uh, Connor Bedard. I took a picture on, I, I bought a picture of Connor Bedard online or, or found a picture of Connor Bedard online. If I took that and uh, attempted to make it my own by simply applying a filter or maybe blurring the background, it doesn't actually constitute an original piece of work. So the, there's two ways for you to acquire work. One is through a license through somebody like Getty Images or um, uh, another one would be either buying it from the NHL or one of the leagues and then taking that piece and then turning it into something else. What we do is on originally created assets is we redraw everything. It's all hand-drawn digitally. So oh, we're wow. creating actual pieces of art from inspiration, right? The publicly available stuff is Google uh, and or... Uh, stuff that we can get licensed or have permission to use could come from Getty Images or even the player themselves. But interestingly enough, you know, most athletes don't have great pictures of themselves playing that they can use. Because of the way that the leagues are structured, in the WHL, the teams own all the pictures. In the NHL, the league owns everything or the team or the league owns absolutely everything. And that's just one example. Does that apply to... So how would they get a picture of themselves then? That's interesting. Well, uh, it could be taken by a parent. Uh, it may be taken by someone that we could reach out to. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, Dave Schultz, who played, who started his career actually, funny enough, in Swift Current, and who went on to do just amazing things, had a very tumultuous personal life. Uh, whose wife, his wife now actually has all of his personal pictures from when he played. Um, he's got pictures back when he played from the, the newspaper and Swift Current that we were able to secure. We were able to uh, have access to uh, for inspiration, but there's nobody to go to anymore to get permission, right? Um, so if you look at people like, uh, a better example might be Ryan Malone. And Ryan has very few pictures of his mom that his mom or dad or family had taken. Everything's owned by somebody else because everybody else was, people were being paid to take pictures and in turn, those pictures belong to those people. Now, that doesn't mean that these pictures couldn't be purchased, but a lot of times um, when you tell people that you're going to convert something to an NFT, they're like, well, it's going to be millions of dollars. And then it just raises the price and it just becomes, it's not logical for us to be creating something that could sell for as little as a dollar or a hundred thousand dollars. Every NFT is a crapshoot. I guess too, that kind of allows you guys to add value to your NFTs as well because it's like a custom-made thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the commercials, Memories in Oil, where you could send a picture of your family away and somebody would paint it up and they'd send it back? Do you guys remember those commercials on TV? Yeah. Yeah, this, that's what NFTs are, <laughs> Memories in Oil. 
Um, I guess too. So the second point I wanted about this, just listen to you talk about it. The why does an athlete need to go to you guys to get this stuff done? I guess, obviously one, we've talked about a couple of things that they don't have access to this stuff mm -hmm. or they don't own it. Uh, there's copyright issues. Is there other reasons why they need to go through a company like ICAF? Well, we are, we're the, we're the primary creation house for UFFS. So if you want to be in the UFFS ecosystem, so if you're, for example, um, Chris Carter, and you have uh, an opportunity to be drafted into, let's say, one of these Legends teams that are going to be playing in this massive simulation on the Steam platform beginning on February 5th, um, you want to get paid. This is all about generational wealth. Uh, because remember, at the, at the, in the middle, of, in the nut of all this, there's a whole bunch of athletes that are contributing to what's going on and sort of setting, guiding this company, this, this UFFS and UFSN, the sports network. And what they're trying to do is create value for people like Chris Carter or Eric Metcalf or Andrew Glover or Ryan Malone by saying, listen, if you have the NFT made, we put the NFT on our blockchain and then we take your NFT and we place it into these, um, these Legends Leagues or even if you're a current player, we place it into, um, let's say, a, um, a fantasy team. When that fantasy team makes money or wins a game and there's a payout, you get a piece. So think of it this way. If you were Nick Lewis, all-time CFL receiving guy, and you could be drafted into the Canadian FL or the Canadian football, I think they're called the Canadian League of Football. That's what it's going to be called. Um, you can, in essence, if you were drafted, play with the best stats ever in the virtual world and then play on forever. So as long as you were agreeing to let your NFT be drafted or, or put onto a team every time that team won, because that's the whole idea behind fantasy draft and fantasy play is that it's to make money, right? You buy a team so you can make money every time you win or your points are good or whatever the case may be. So you want to be part of it. So built into the basic, like built into the contract of the, or the smart contract of the NFT is a payout for the individual player. 100%. And, oh, that's interesting. And for the artist. I mean, that's, that's the other interesting thing is that every time the NFT gets sold, the guys who created it in my shop have their own group. They have a creative group that we create, that we put together for them. And they get paid. Oh, wow. So, so NFTs that we've got some NFTs that are going to be coming out here shortly that could sell for, you know, you know, $1,500 to $3,000. They'll get a percentage of that sale. And because they're tied to it forever, the money would always be coming back. Yeah. So everyone gets that percentage over and over and over again as long as Yeah. And, it, and if you win, I mean, take, for example, um, in their fantasy league this year, uh, UF. Uh, the American uh, UFAFL is going to likely pay out anywhere from 75,000 to 250,000 on their first season of play. So if you're, if we had NFTs for a lot of those players that were in that ecosystem that were current, like we had drafted current players, we just did Tristan Jackson's. Um, we just, we're just finishing his NFT. If, if he would have signed the back of his NFT before the season started, he'd probably be making money every single month. He'd be getting a check every single month which is remarkable, right? Because it all lives on the blockchain. So as long as they don't, as long as they have his wallet and his ID, mm -hmm. basically his income, if you want to keep drafting Tristan Jackson forever, have at her. Yeah, or I think it's more remarkable too, like when you think of like an athlete's lifespan in whatever professional sport, eventually it comes to an end because they just physically give up. But this sounds like, like you can keep doing this draft. You can keep every doing year. it forever. 
Yeah, that's how Ryan Malone's coming back to life. Like, that's why he's excited by it. When you see his NFT, we're going to release it next week. It's funny. It's like a skating through time video. You guys will know what that means. Um, and at the end, he actually stands there in a silly pose, and he's wearing actually a UFFS hockey jersey. And then you see his card. So he'll, he'll basically play on forever, and he'll be drafted. Coming up here uh, next, next season, he'll be drafted. And he'll be up there's a power ranking. And as it goes on, he's playing in a simulation. So it goes, right? Because they're going to, this league, this sports network will have like six disciplines, hockey, basketball, uh, baseball. They'll have uh, hockey, basketball. We're also going to have golf. We have NFTs for golfers. Uh, there also is the world junior. We're going to have a world junior team where you can take a kid from a 17, 18 or 19 when they were eligible and draft and build your own world junior team. So, and this will all be played in simulation. So you'll be able to manage a team. You'll get to find out what it's actually like to run a team and you'll be paying the players that are, that are NFT DAs. That's a way to extend their career. Um, thinking about, so one of the things we did with this Paul is we actually went on and made an NFT of a photo of mine. I think we kind of botched the process, but that's okay. We'll figure that stuff world's out later. World's most expensive NFT purchase. <laughs> <slash> creation. <laughs> Um, Good for you guys. But it's funny because I was thinking of it as a bit of a legacy thing for myself as well and, and gaining some uh, crypto uh, clout, I guess, as much as I want to call it clout for myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I never thought of it in that sense as like maybe sort of extending that photographic career quite like this athlete thing. Granted, I mean, I'm not playing games or simulating mm -hmm. games, but it's still it's a wild idea. Yeah, well, I thought I it'd be it interesting... For Amory, like when he's dead, his daughter, that's going to be the one photograph that she actually remembers or keeps or something. like. You know what I mean? Because yeah, exactly. he's got 8 million photos on his computer, but they're all going to go, they're all going to be trash except for really that one. Yeah. You want to find a spot where, it, where you want to find a spot where it lives on forever. Even if you're an established artist, when you sell a work or you sell a print, it's a limited amount, Right. And nobody gets to see anything because likely traditional art hangs on a wall in a room. So my brother-in-law is uh, Dwayne Hardy. He's a very famous Canadian wildlife artist. He's got stuff hanging in the uh, National Museum, National Art and Science Museum in uh, Jackson. Like the wow, no, art, nat Nature and Wildlife Museum in Jackson. He's got stuff hanging in a couple of big brokerage firms in New York. He's got two pieces of the Turner Ranch in Montana. Yeah, Ted Turner bought his work. But nobody, that's it. That's, it's done. It's one and done. It's almost like the pictures on your phone. It's exactly the same thing. He just happens to get a lot more money than you probably get for your pictures on your phone, <laughs> right? At the end of the day. Yeah. So there's lots of opportunity there to, to, it's all about generational wealth. Like this whole thing is about generational wealth, which athletes don't have. One of the topics with NFTs that people talk about a lot is, is this like, are NFTs actually valuable? And what's really interesting about this concept is, is with the simu simulations, you're actually driving value. Yeah, of course we are. That's, that's what this whole thing is about. Because what you're actually driving value for is you're driving value for, the, for our traded value, which is the score token, right? So what you're trying to do is you're raising your, you're raising your financial, all waters, when Rising waters raise all boats. So it doesn't matter if it's the NFTs or the value of the franchise. When the value of the score token rises, everybody wins. Because there's only a finite amount. 
Yeah. So for someone like posting, say, again, I'll use myself as an example. We, we took this photo, we posted it to Rarible. Um, I think okay, Nick, cool. if, if they do, if they do uh, uh, some Leroy and Leroy stuff, I think they should be posting to OpenSea. But um, if for some people doing that sort of stuff, how do they raise their value? Um, you've got to get people to share it. I don't know. Have you guys followed the goat thing in the last little bit? Everybody's got a goat. I've, I've heard about it, but I, did, I didn't even really understand. Well, it's, everybody takes the same picture of a goat and makes it their own. And they make it an NFT saying, well, that's the Tom Brady goat or that's, the, you know, whoever goat. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But how they raise value for it, um, there's a couple ways. One of the things you're going to see, two things are coming, I know for sure. And, and talking to some guys who are very, very smart in this whole crypto slash nft space is that what's coming for us is basically nft avatars so everybody's talking about the metaverse right so if you're talking about going into the metaverse who created your nft um how can you promote yourself because because if you're living in the digital space and this is a little conceptual here okay so you create art amory goes out creates art and then puts himself into the digital space where he can actually show his art to different people because it's a level playing field in the metaverse, right? You can go into different communities. You can be part of all sorts of different conversations and you can post your art for people to see. And then people see you as your avatar, which also will be an NFT that's coming. And then they can see the work that you're doing. But this is all about self-promotion and luck. That's all that it is at the end of the day. Us, we couldn't take that track as an organization, as, a, as someone who consults to UFFS and who's a big supporter of theirs. I mean, we produce all their content for the web and for their drafts and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that we absolutely wanted to do was find a way that this made money for someone and had it be good work and it would last forever. And the blockchain is that promise, right? It's a digital eternity, which is a term I heard on the weekend. I'm like, digital eternity. Mm. Doesn't sound too bad. So yeah. what what about for like yourself and IKS? What what does all this stuff mean for you guys? The only reason I took on the NFT stuff is really simple. I wanted to challenge my guys to do original work. So we have uh well we we did have three. We're looking at we have three, now we're gonna be adding a fourth artist. And I wanted them the opportunity to really create a piece, not just say, here's an ad for Cal Tire. Uh, make the tire spin, do something cool with it, or, you know, like a lot of venue stuff that we build. Because what I was really interested in is that all three of my guys, and now uh, with Andy, our newest one, is every meeting we ever had, they would all doodle. They'd sit there. This is how they made notes and remember what was going on. So you'd look at a whole page at the end of a meeting at IKS, and these guys are, you know, writing five or six words down, and then they'd have a whole page of characters talking to each other. So they go, why don't we just take advantage of, building characters and athletes together and then having original artwork. And then and they said, well, can you guys do NFTs? And they said, we already are. We're already building animation now. Just we need to make it more lifelike, more credible. And they've accepted the challenge. The same way the avatar thing has come along for us now, right? An NFT is an avatar. Can you imagine that? The avatar talking back to you. I'm Emery. This is my avatar. And that's the NFT. That's crazy. And and built on AI, so it could probably respond even like. I sure hope so. I'm, I'm, 
I'm very hopeful in, in the metaverse. We're, I'm hopefully we're going to be sort of a, a catalyst for change. Our company is going to be a catalyst for change um, simply because we're, I would say if you look at the curve of where the real, like talk about the metaverse and where things are, we're kind of down here. This is where it's going to be in a really, really short period of time. And what's going to drive that is amazing creative, whether it is generated on the Unity or the Unreal game engine. Uh, that's kind of the environment. Now the people got to get a lot more interesting, right? We all can't look like, you know, pixels. <laughs> like, like you've seen some of this. I mean, some of it's really cool. But at the end of the day, how do you want yourself represented in the digital eternity? That's this is just how I think it's going to happen. Do you do you look at this stuff too as kind of like like your own personal legacy or the legacy of IKS? Like if because if this really takes off for you guys, this this you talk about generational wealth. This I feel like it sets you guys up for that, um, and all those sort of things. You know, I don't really think of it as that group. I think of it as the artists getting what they deserve. I mean, we can only pay people so much to do artwork, right? And um, all of this project. I mean, if there's something that comes back to us, that's going to be a bonus. It's not. I mean, I've never done anything for money. That's why I'm still doing hockey with you guys. Uh, <laughs> that's the very reason, right? So I think it's, it's, it's good to realize that I have a huge amount of respect for the guys, the men and women that work for me. Um, I believe they're way more creative than I could ever be. And I think that them and their family should be rewarded for that. I mean, how di it's difficult to get a piece published. It's difficult to get into. I mean, I, I deal with having my brother-in-law as a professional artist. I realized even when you are making a lot of money, you're not making a lot of money. So, and his stuff, it's one and done. And I'm thinking, hmm, this is really about the artist. And it's also about the player because how do we get you to the digital, the eternity, the digital eternity? We, you have to have something that's going to be fairly representing of you that you're going to want. Uh, the other thing too, is don't forget everything that we do becomes a collectible, right? And not just think of it as when the master NFT is published, um, we're going to release, uh, we finished a bunch of them last week where there is five kind of collectibles. Um, so when, you introduce people to NFTs and you introduce young kids to NFTs. They can go on to UFFS and if they're available, they can download them and start to add them to their digital NFT wallet. And over time, those collectibles, just like you guys have seen in my office, all those sports cards that are framed from McDonald's from 1989 till, I don't know, when that wrapped up a little while ago, um, those become scarce. So we want young kids to get started in the NFT journey early. We're going to make the barriers to entry very, very minimal. Get a wallet, get a little bit of score token, and you can start to collect. Um, for example, um, we got assigned Ethan Bear today. So we're going to be building a single-frame Ethan Bear NFT. Uh, that uh, should likely be ready by second week of January. So, And kids are going to be able to collect it. Same way we'd want the WHL to do it. The same way we want the... A, the American Hockey League to do it because as these athletes move along and they get drafted and it's af in the afterlife, after sports, their stats could actually live on forever. So if you had an amazing, so if Nick was playing goalie and he was playing for Montreal and he played for two years, but he had amazing stats, he could actually live on together as one of the best goalies ever in the simulation space, which is crazy to think about. It answers that day old question, right? Like who's the best goalie in the NHL ever? Absolutely. So AI, one thing AI will do, and, and I, you know, if anybody's got a chance to go look at it, um, the engine, when we released the American Legends League, 
for American football. Um, the company that's publishing this game on Steam, which is Access 2021, they, they're, they're taking Madden and they're accelerating Madden. They're making the player the focus of the game, not so much the branding. So you can put whatever branding you want. So if you've got the, you know, the, let's say the, even example, the Concords or whatever it is, um, your branding and everything comes to life. And it's, it's as good as Madden, but it's better because then it, it also lets you modify every player's strengths and weaknesses. And for us, we have a council of players, six guys, they're stat junkies. And what they do is they boil down each player that's going to be drafted into the Legends League. So that would be every corner, every running back, every O-line, every D-line guy, special teams, kicking, everything. So when they go into the mix, you're, getting, you're going to get to draft the best guys that ever played in their best year. So it's going to be remarkable to watch. I, I think, you know, the first games will be out, will be published on AO Sports. Uh, they'll be done with full commentary and replay. It's going to be crazy. So I'm excited by it. Yep. Sitting here laughing because I'm just thinking about the amount of work all of that will be if it all comes yeah. in. <laughs> it's a, you know, <laughs> um, the player process took about three weeks to get done. Uh, we ranked 1,200 players. So, and we'll have our, from our office here in Regina and, and from a secured server, you're going to be able to run a simulation. So think of it like coach mode, like we were talking about it today. What the really cool part of this is going to be is, let's say the three of us buy a team, the Leroy's buy a team, Leroy and Paul buy a team. And as we go into the game, we're playing another, I guess, another group that's bought a team that's, that's gone through the draft, that lives within the cap. And then we can actually call the play as we're walking up. So if we're going to call, we can develop our own schemes. We can bring John Gruden in. We've got, um, we won't use John Gruden. Let's say we use somebody else, you know, Bill Belichick. We can use his sort of offensive and defensive scheme. We can load that into our profile and either let the game play it out for us or we could actually play as a player coach. So think about if you're a football gamer, you could actually be, basically that guy for that team and have this amazing roster of talent to draw from. It's going to be crazy. It is. Um, one other thing you touched on, and you've also sent me some uh, videos and clips of these sort of physical assets. Now I'm, I'm assuming those are like when you purchase the first person to purchase the NFT also gets that. Is that sort of the deal or what, yep. what's the deal with those things? Yep. They would get the, they would get the frame. We have a 10, a seven and a four inch. Um, it, it's basically just an encoded player. Um, that's generation one of them. Generation two of them, which we're, we've asked the company that builds those frames to come up with, is that the, the access to it is encrypted. So you'll get a collectible. Right now it's a collectible. So if you take the, the four-inch size, it looks like a sports card, a right? sports card holder, except it's a living frame. So you'll see Tristan Jackson. His stats will be on the one side. You know, it'll spin around. You'll see a picture of Tristan Jackson in original art. Uh, and you can add multiple cars to it. But the end goal for the frames is this. Whoever owns the frame at that time, it will knock on the blockchain every so many seconds. So if it's not on the blockchain, it shuts off. That's wow. where we're going. Yeah. So if you own it, it's like saying, well, I have an original Monet hanging on the wall. I can look at it. Yeah, it's there. And if I suddenly, if it's sold on the blockchain, if I sell it, 
it would literally disappear from the frame. So that's the challenge. That's the challenge that we I gave, came up with and gave to the manufacturer, and they're uh, they're pretty excited. Uh, I don't know what they're going to cost at the end of the day, but you know, with <laughs> NFTs going up, I don't know. Cheaper than Emery's NFT that he made. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are dig. You got You got to dig into it. I mean, publish, publish, publish. If you got original artwork, publish it. I I think there is lots of opportunity to find. A, I think people will buy this stuff and it will sit. It will go up in value. It will go down. But now it's become a thing, and it and it ha- it is the digital eternity. This artwork is a digital eternity because nobody else catalogs artwork like this except for Getty, the National uh, National Archives, in the United States, the Canadian National the Archives Canada. Nobody does this kind of stuff. They couldn't afford the storage. I'm sure of it. But anyway, no, that's good stuff. Um, Nick. You, you guys with Leroy and Leroy, do you have any specific questions you'd want to ask Paul about NFTs before we let him go? Uh, basically, yeah, like what would you do if uh, you were in our shoes? Basically, I don't know. I'm not sure how familiar you are. Basically. Yeah, I've seen the made, show. Like I've watched yeah. you guys. It's, and it's great. I What I would be doing is I would tell you to take, because of what you guys do, I would get you to go and look at, just for laughs, just started re- releasing NFTs. They're going to be worth a ton of money. Like literally so, just anything? Yep. Just for laughs, just put out some of their best stuff as NFTs. And they've got just this massive catalog to publish, which people are going to buy. Um, and the and I think because the production quality is good of Leroy and Leroy, I think you guys are doing a really good job. It's funny. Uh, maybe it's more funny just because I live here. But some of it is terribly relational. Uh, you know, and I think small snippets um like you remember when nfts really took off take the original idea is probably always the best at the end of the day so when they said well you can buy you know lebron's layup from some camera angle or whatever the case may be i think you guys have got some really choice moments in leroy and leroy that could be make great like video clip nfts it doesn't have to be a cat pixeling you know skin you know swimming across a pink background you guys don't need to do that but but i do think (laughs) but i do think some original artwork would be really good uh, some com- some composited original artwork of you who you guys are might have real value, and that's where maybe Emery comes in at the end of the day, right? Because you need great image capture, or you need someone who can capture you and then represent it. So I would do the short clips, and I would definitely do something original art of you guys. But go look at the just for last NFTs; they're going to be really good. What about for photographers, like I've seen a couple people saying they're making money on it, but I'm not convinced yep. about that yet. I do. I believe it. Um, if you've got it, if you've got a solid, I mean, I think of Hirsch with the Pats, millions and millions of pictures, unique opportunity to sell hockey imagery. Um, but he can, right, at the end of the day, uh, because all of that's owned by the Pats. But And that's fair. I mean, that's the deal with the WHL. I get that. Um, I think that if you're capturing unique images um, that you want to have reused, the safest way for you to get paid is the blockchain. It absolutely is because you know I look at the stuff that gets sold on uh, like a, what's a photo clip. There's a couple of pretty big ones, uh, stock photo, and I watch how that stuff gets used. And then you know once you buy it once, you pay your hundred bucks, and then it's all over the place. The cool thing about if it's a blockchain image, everywhere that it gets used, the blockchain knows. So if somebody's not using your product properly, you find out right away. You don't have to worry about your asset 
you can go to sleep at night thinking, hey, my assets are good because I've actually published to a protected network. You can't break it. You can't, can't fail. Unless somebody's going to start you know, printing and putting on T-shirts, you're pretty much protected that way. So if you've got great pieces, um, I would encourage you to publish everything you can, right? Because at some point, everything that you own turns to dust, and this will live on forever. Yeah, another actually interesting thing too, just uh, the blockchain as like a different purpose. Like I almost feel like that's what those stock photography things are going to become as blockchains because if they're not, they're going to die. Well, Getty's going that way. You'll be able to buy. And if you use something and you didn't pay for it, you'll find out right away. It's worse than the algorithm that listens to music on Facebook. Trust me. It's the devil. The devil's listening. So, so basically, like, I think if there's one big general advice for it, if you are making content, basically, whatever you can do, whatever you can possibly think of, just start doing it, even if it is as simple as a short video clip or uh, a photo, which is what we just did. Yeah. And, you know, know this, how things get published to the blockchain get easier every 24 hours. Access to the blockchain will become more competitive what blockchain that you're on, whether you're on, let's say you're on the Zilliqa blockchain. Well, there's, there's a whole bunch of them, but the big consolidator is going to be the metaverse. You want it. You want your art to be shown in the metaverse. I'm going to want it for my brother-in-law. I'm going to want it for the stuff that we're doing because I want people to see it because it becomes a brand. And, and, you know, where's that? It's almost like the chances of you becoming a brand are about 1%. If you have a business, 1% takes about 10 years. This they're, ta- they're saying could be as little as six months. So I look at it, go 10 years to build IKS, and they go, hey, I know what that is. Or I could take something, put it in the right place at the right time. And that's not saying in the prison, the physical sense, but in, in the digital ether, let's call it, right? You could find yourself a lot richer and uh, let's just say more recognizable in a very short period of time. Which I, which I think is great because it levels the playing field. The metaverse levels the playing field. Like I can have nothing and be in the metaverse and be and doing well, if that's my thing, right? That's going to be up to everybody to decide. Mark Zuckerberg wants everybody to be in the metaverse. God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, too ugly to be in the metaverse. <laughs> Uh, just to wrap things up, Paul, do you think there's anything we are missing that we should be talking about in N- NFTs or that people should be talking about? Anybody, everybody should remember, if you're old enough, when we used to collect cards, it's the same thing. Um, re- recognize, recognize the ones. If you feel something's valuable, buy it. If you, feel, if you want to speculate on something, you could speculate on this as an art form. But remember, everything comes with risk, Right. My Mariel Lemieux card isn't worth as much from the second year that it was from the first. There you go. Cool. Perfect. Well, thanks for doing this, Paul. Uh, Nick, I hope you learned something because I did. Yeah, it was great. Well, if I can help you guys, whatever. You know that I'm always willing to help. So I'll look forward to you cutting it down and making me look reasonably intelligent. (laughs) I don't even think we need to cut anything. That's the best part about it. yeah no thanks again paul for doing this we've got three minutes here before we get cut off but uh yeah i'm i'm excited about getting this out i know we put out some teasers of this and like a lot of people are already excited to hear about nfts because everyone doesn't know what to do right yeah 
start doing cool stuff. And I think you guys have got, I mean, I really applaud how popular Leroy and Leroy, Leroy, and Leroy is. And I think you could get people to buy the NFT. Hey, buy our NFT. Here's two minutes of this. And it's yours forever. Cool. It's mine forever. I own a little piece of you. I'll tell you something that is coming uh, that I got. A, I listened to a pitch today. Um, is buying shares in NFT, commonly traded, common shares of an NFT. So think of it as if you had uh, the very first, Tom Brady did this one autograph. I don't know if you guys got an autograph.io. That's a big, that's the site that's bankrolled by um, Tom and his wife and a couple of other people. Um, there is this, you know how, the way you democratize NFT ownership is by making stock available of, of a piece, right? The cool thing about the blockchain is that you could tell the blockchain that 100,000 people own one penny of this entire NFT and they would get paid. So how do you take something you've bought, which is really unique, uh, and divide it 100,000 times? So if I bought an NFT, let's say I bought the NFT of Leroy and Leroy, got a bunch of hype around it, got it sold. And then I said, okay, well, it's sold for $100,000, so it's only going to always sell for more, right? Because you can play into people's – this is a greed quote. Like it's a greed thing for people, and it's sad, but it's a very common denominator. And if you could say, well, listen, I'm going to list my NFT in the marketplace, and you can own – just like you, don't, you can own 10 bucks of Bitcoin. Now you're going to be able to own 10 bucks worth of the NFT of Leroy and Leroy. And they're thinking they're going to drive the value of some NFTs tenfold. Because I'm going to say, well, there's only 100,000 shares. I'm going to put them up for 100 bucks each or a dollar each. And I'm going to take a $100 NFT that I bought. I'm going to make it worth, just by simply promoting it, I'm going to make it worth $100,000. And then I can go, okay, well, now I'm going to add that NFT to a collection. So it's a complementing one. So now the value goes up. And think of it like digital real estate. You buy more and more houses together, you get to control the neighborhood, you get to control the value, you get to control who lives there, you know, the time the streetlights come on. I thought it was a really interesting pitch. And I'm, it's, it's, it's brilliant because, and it's all speculative. And that's the, the part that frightens me is that people should never put in anything more than they can afford to lose. And that's always worrisome, but I'm also older. <laughs> So, I, I actually think I'm going to put that last quote in for sure. I think that's an important piece. Yeah. Um, yeah, Paul, we're going to get cut off here. So we'll let no you problem. go for the night. Enjoy the night. Thanks again for doing Thank this. And, I'm going back uh, to Monday Night Football. Perfect. Paul's worried he was going to be bad, but I didn't think he was bad. Did you? <laughs> no, I, I think that was great. I, I, was <laughs> I thought he was great. greatness from Paul. I'd actually talked <laughs> to Paul great. before. So uh, most of that stuff I'd kind of known already. Uh, just by talking to him. No, I hadn't got the detailed. Yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of really good ideas that he's got. And interesting, interesting that he's getting into it. Yeah. That's what cool. do you think? Uh, like now, after hearing some of that, what do you? What do you? And and going through this, what do you think of NFTs for you? And and with Leroy and Leroy. Um. That's interesting. Well, I. I don't want to think about them necessarily for me right now, but like they are, have you ever listened to any of Gary, Gary V or Gary V's Gary Vander V V Gary V he's huge on NFTs right now. And this is completely avoiding your question, but he had this one 
thing that I saw recently where he said, here's a crazy idea for you. Let's say you have a $25 million unique house. It's like make an NFT of it, build it into the contract. Say you get 1% of the sale for eternity. <laughs> well, actually to that point too, like even just physical real estate, like NFT it, right? That's how you can, can control it now. Yeah. Things. Yeah. I guess it's just a matter of not being lazy and starting to do it. It's really, that's what life comes down to with everything, isn't it? Yeah. That was kind of why, like, I personally too just wanted to get one done, get it out of the way. Uh, now I've kind of seen like how easy it is. Uh, could I do more? Will I do more? Maybe. Uh, the, honestly, the only deciding factor for me is cost at this point. And then uh, the other thing too, I've been reading some stuff. Uh, Paul kind of touched on it as well. Uh, to, to move your value up, you need to you you essentially need to be active in that social sphere of nfts mm-hmm. um like their group they're they're creating their own activity to do it which is amazing whereas for myself i need to start like going out to these places um and and marketing that nft to those places uh i think it was you who i talked to um earlier about uh we were talking about chasing yesterday and the market for it and like how do you sell that stuff and i'm like well you know we're not really selling it on facebook it's not really working and and i believe your comment was was well you need to go out and find where the market is to actually sell it so it doesn't matter what it is like make 10 prints and then find the place to sell those 10 prints and and i think that's how you need to approach this nft market as well Mm, interesting Uh, i don't remember saying that but it sounds a little too smart for something that I would say, but I'll take credit for it. <laughs> by by saying was, uh, where's the snacks or something like that? That sounds more like what I said about it. After all that NFT talk, you just needed a break. Need, need <laughs> yeah. Um, ho ho. <clears throat> yeah, let's jump ahead. Uh, we still have one other thing to do before we wrap this episode up, Nick. My favorite and, I've, part. and I've got one, uh, one special thing I want to bring out after that, but... Uh, the shelf of shame. Yes. What do you got going on today? Well, okay, the, I've got a. If I've already put this on the shelf of shame, you're gonna have to tell me because I just was trying to remember if I had put this on or not. Have I gone through the filter? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Have I gone through the filters yet? No. Okay. On my shelf of shame, I'm gonna have to do them all at once because uh, I've got an 82 Pola, which actually I do throw on every once in a while. But um, I my lens, okay, so my not my 1DC, but a camera that I had before that. I had the 16 to 35 on it, which is the 82 mil uh, lens that this fits on. I had it on the Glide Cam. And it, my lens, I didn't click it on properly or something. And my lens literally fell off the camera and hit the, this lens itself, it hit the the ring. And so now this doesn't fit on it properly. So that's something. Um, 77 mil ND. Actually, I've got two of these. And guess how many times I use it? Uh, that one probably like never because it's a square one. Well, no, it's a circular. Oh, it is circular. And it is 
variable. Yeah. Um, but my camera has built-in NDs, so I don't know what I would use it for. Just in case you need more, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I have another 82 mil Pola, because who doesn't need two of them? Why did I buy two? I don't know. This is just embarrassing self-shame. Yeah. Um, so how, how many 72 filters? 72 mil fader. How many filters? Yeah. Um, 72 mil Pola. Okay. And then one of those UV. Do you even use these? Do these do anything? Um, I... <sighs> <laughs> they're basically like when i i've used them um i use them essentially to protect the glass uh but now i've kind of been like anti them because i don't like put my stuff in a situation where i would need to yeah i got it when i first started getting into stuff a little more seriously and i thought yeah i need to get one of those i put it on i could tell the difference at all but yeah so i got three four five six filters I bet you that I paid $500 for all of these filters total, and I don't use them at all. So uh, this is really comical, but my shelf of shame, Nick, matches a lot of your shelf of shame. Oh, no. <laughs> See, I did use these at one time. Oh, is it a filter case? Yeah. What we have here <laughs> is the Mindshift filter hive, which opens up so you would toss all your filters in there so you could put your your squares or your four by fives in there, yeah. your circular ones in here. Um, the insert comes out, uh, so makes it a little more manageable as well. It's actually a ridiculously nice case. Um, but what I did, so I had all these filters and I needed cases for them. So I ordered a bunch of cases. So I ordered oh. this one as well, which is just a simple open up and throw in. Uh, but what happened was, was I bought other ones that were nicer. So I use those ones. So oh. This one's just a little How many thicker. cases do you have? But that's the thing. Uh, this funny. thing cost me like ten bucks, so it was kind of like, yeah. well, I'll order it, and then who cares? I'll deal with it after. So I'm trying to sell that one now. Uh, this is my square filter one. Like I said, it's just it's a lot bigger. The pouches are a lot nicer. I've got my all my square filters in there, and one one circular one, which I don't even know. Actually, there you go. UV, Nick. Oh yeah. <laughs> So it's not even on my camera, but I did keep it just in case I wanted to. I had it on my my old lenses. Um, but yeah, so I don't use this MindShift one. Again, a really good bag, but what I, I, I ran into a few problems too. I'm gonna pull out that circular uh, one again. So this, I believe this is a 77. Yep, but like your, where you'd throw it in on here, like that's 77 is kind of as big as you'd go. Like I wouldn't be able to get two 82s in there. 
okay like, what yeah. it's meant to actually hold or whatever uh so that was a problem um for my rectangular filters the case i ended up liking was this brand called click elite which i've never heard of but it's just simple Ooh, that strap, looks nice that case and they all pop open it's got tabs yeah. to separate everything it's yeah so this is that looks nice this case is my main case and you're talking that about your sense. filters expense there's probably a thousand dollars worth of filters yeah. in here yeah um and then other cases too nick just so for the other filters I have, I ended up keeping them in the original cases. So a circular polarizer, 77 mm -hmm. mil. Um, I bought this on my first lens and ended up keeping it. I might actually end up selling that because I'm not sure any of them are 77 anymore. I think they're all 82. An, ah. 82. an 82 variable filter, which I keep in its original plastic case. Just again, it's a nicer case. And I have three of these metal tins which are all my uh, my big stop filters for, they're like your, I think it's a six stop, a 10 stop and a 15 stop ND. Okay, I'm starting to wonder, I've got, is this a, I'm trying to figure out which ones, I guess I can look it up online, but maybe I just chat with you about it here. Cause I've got this B plus W Pola. And then I've got my Tiffin Pola. They're both 82s. I'm guessing that I bought this B plus W Pola second because I didn't like the Tiffin. Yeah. The the B and W ones are, are quite nice. They usually oh, it's B and W. See, I, I. Yeah, they're usually metal rings on them, which just make them last a little bit better. Can take a little bit more. Uh, the other thing too. So my my one is a clear filter as well here, but it's it's like that. MRC nano glass, so it's actually a little way it's thinner that way than oh, most yeah. filters as well. So that's why I kept it because it was a nice, nice filter. If I'm going to have a 77 millimeter thing again, that will be the thing that goes on it. And again, just for protection, I need to just have a sale, sell all these. I don't know why I'm keeping them. I, you know, ironically, right? Like you're talking about your, there's no way I'll get rid of my filters. Oh really? Yeah, like that. Oh well, if you're taking stills, you don't have see. It's different for me because I I just don't. That's a no, Nick. I again, this case being the money case. What's in here is all these grad filters. So these things, like even for shooting video, are are pretty useful to do. Like say, I just needed that wall to be darker than yeah. whatever else, right? Yeah. Now that makes sense for what you're doing there. It makes sense for video too. Uh, in Hollywood movies, you see them using this stuff all the time. That's true. They do. Um, I guess I'm just trying to think of a scenario where I would use it. Whenever I'd have to get outside. a square map box, which I don't have. Yeah. That's that's like the one problem, really. Um, anyways, yeah, shelf of shame. Uh, Nick, one more thing I want to show you here. This is this is going. It's a, like a future shelf of shame, but it's like a shelf, <laughs> shelf of pride issue. Yeah. Um, last week, 
or in the a couple of weeks ago, we were talking with uh, Leroy and me and you had this heart to heart about uh, growing up and talking about camera stuff. And we talked about our first cameras. And mm-hmm. I mentioned to you the first camera I ever owned. Do you remember what it was? You had, okay, let me think for a second. Um, was it a Fuji? No. It was, no. It was this crappy toy McDonald's. Oh, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I do remember that now. Yeah. So I went online and I found. No way. The crappy toy McDonald's thing all sealed up still. Um, oh wow so what i kind of thought like which is kind of fun right so that silver packets the film and stuff as well do you think i should open it yeah i think so should i open it now yeah all right i'm gonna crack this bag open and yeah so this would have been First ca- camera I ever owned. Mom and dad would have bought it from McDonald's for me. This little Concord. Oh, wow. Here, move your face out of the way. It's not focusing. There we go. Now you put it too close. <laughs> <laughs> so there this, you go. This back piece, I believe, just slides out. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then that's where you load the film in. And then it's... Is that it's the 110 film? Point and shoot. That is a good question. I don't know Fish, what it, it looks is. like 110. Maybe. It's like a little thin thing, right? I don't know. Does it say... Open up the film. See what it says. I'm going to look at the, the McDonald's packaging here. Wow. Uh, so there's a special offer to get uh, the film developed. I think it's past due. It's probably expired. <laughs> I wonder if they'll still honor it. Um, yeah. Oh, here's... Oh, man. Look at this. Your little... So this is your little... Oh, wow. To put it in your envelope to put it in. <laughs> that is so cool. It's 24 exposures... All right. Only one way to find that out. That is okay. crazy. Let's pop this actual film thing open here. Yeah, there you go. 110. It says it on it. So. 110. It's reading uh, that. Here, back it up a hair. There wow. Yeah, so that's the... Does it say the um if it's uh daylight or tungsten or what it is? Actually I can process this myself, Nick, <laughs> reading it. Uh so it says color negative film for color prints, uh ISO two hundred twenty-four degrees. I don't know what that means. Twenty-four degrees. Um, and that's it. Well, ASA 202, which is just ISO. So it's 200 film, color film. Uh, Are they thinking 2400 or is there some, I bet you there's some terminology that I don't know that they're yeah, I don't know referring what that means. to. Um, yeah. Anyways, it's just, it's just some color film. It'll be, oh, sorry. The part two, it says C41 on it. So the color film developer I have is C41 
developer. Oh, cool. So I could develop it in-house as well if I wanted. Um, How much did that thing cost? Uh, <laughs> I, I put it in the video. So when, because you haven't seen it yet, but I'll actually okay. release it um, tomorrow, I think. It ended up costing me like 60 bucks. I put in like a screenshot of my actual yeah. purchase online with it. Uh, that is so cool. Yeah. Do you know what is not cool? Because I can't figure out. Oh, I just have to be more forced. Yeah. To... The worst part is I got you to open it up, which now made it worth zero. Oh, that's fine. That's that. I'm, I want to actually use this. Go out. I think taking pictures on it is going to be the cool part. Uh-oh. Oh, I gotta wind the film somehow. How do I do that? It's I. I'm pretty sure I've used one of those because it's got the little wheel that you roll on the side or on the bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's a little. There we go. So there's this little tab on the bottom. I don't. Know. I'm guessing it's gonna show me like there we it, go. So now it's on. Yeah. One. So my first. First photo is going to be some <laughs> crappy photo of Nick. Or not. <laughs> it doesn't even work. It doesn't work. I think it'll... It does, it's not like oh, it takes no, batteries. No, that, that actually clicked. Here we go. Here we go. There we go. There it is. There it was. That's wild. <laughs> I'm curious to see how those images are going to turn out. Yeah, Man, it's just crazy looking through this thing, too. It's got like a little bit of a warble fisheye to the look too. And I feel like I'm out of an 80s sci-fi movie looking through this thing. Yeah. The thing's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the most part, it's going to sit on my shelf just to look pretty and remind me of my past. But yeah, I think I'm going to take, I'm going to shoot this whole roll, obviously. Yeah. And I might even find like a couple more rolls to find and shoot just for fun. That's cool. Well, 110, you'll be able to find 110. Although we both know what that camera is going to need and it's light. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that... Well, it should be fine with computer screen. Looking, staring at it. Yeah. Face. Um, yeah. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. I thought it was kind of fun. My, my big purchase, my new camera. My mom was bugging me because she's like, are you going to become a collector of cameras? And I'm like, no, there's no more cameras I want to buy. And then she's like, I thought you said you weren't buying no more cameras. I'm like, <laughs> this, this one's different, mom. <laughs> So we'll see. Yeah, that's interesting. I've got a picture. I should look up. I don't think I'll buy it because I'm too cheap, but uh, <laughs> I should look up that Pentax. Yeah, it's Christmas. But yeah, I remember taking a ton of pictures on R110 camera. Yeah. And did I ever tell you the story about the flash bulb? No. Because we had this camera and... Uh, I was taking pictures on it, but every time I took a picture indoors, it didn't work. It was just too dark. And I was like, how do I take a picture on this thing? And I was like asking my mom, and I'm like, mom, how do I take a picture inside? She's like, well, you need to get a flash for it. And I was like, okay, well, how do I get a flash? And then, uh, so like, I saved up a bunch of money, and I bought this flash. But it's not like the flash is now. It had a cube. Right, and right, so I only yeah. got four flashes out of this thing. I had to pick. Because the cube rotated on top. It rotates. And so, like, I wasted the first one just messing around with it because I didn't know what I was doing. And then I think I accidentally fired off the second one. So I only had two <laughs> pictures that had flash, And it didn't. It is bad. 
Uh, I spent like it was more money than the film cost. I don't know, whatever it was. I was just like, all right, this has got to be a better way than this flash bulb. <laughs> awesome. And then I had it in my head forever that whenever somebody used a flash, like on a camera, I was like, oh man, that must be expensive. <laughs> yeah, uh, things have changed a little bit since then, right? It's funny, right? We were I'm pulling out this camera I would have bought in the 80s. I want to say it was like 88 or 89 when they did this promo. I wish they had a date on it. If they do, I'll maybe put it in. Um, but yeah, and then moving now it are, with what we're dealing with today and talking to Paul about NFTs, like it's crazy how far we've gone. Yeah. So um, I think that's a good way to uh, sum up this episode and end it, Nick. Um, so yeah, for everybody out there, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you again next time. Yeah, Put your batteries on charge so they don't go dead. <laughs> Nuggets of wind- wisdom by Just Nick Lamb. Pure gold. Yeah. Lots of battery charging wisdom that I have. Stuff then do you want to cut the nft episode? yeah send me the stuff and i'll uh i'll cut a beauty episode out of it but i worked with this lady once one day i get this phone call from her because she needs help and the question on the other end of that line was how do i copy and paste in this program like i didn't know if it was a joke or if it was serious you would just hit the copy paste button like that was beyond her capability. So like there's just, there's certain people where the job's just the job. They're essentially there to fill the spot. I always relate the mind to a hard drive. This might be flawed, but you know, there's only so much data that can go in it. And then they're making decisions as to what's important data to keep and what's not. And apparently in this case, copy and paste was not an important <laughs> piece of data to keep. Paste, but it's not important. But yeah, I would say both you and I were very much perfectionists. I'm not a perfectionist. I just want people to do their best. You don't think sitting after a hockey game and going over some detail in great length to discover a better way to do it (laughs) is not perfectionism? Ah, yeah, maybe it is a little bit. And it's fine to be a perfectionist. It's just not, I would actually say the large majority of people are not. I can't believe I didn't even check that. Yeah, it said AirPod Pros is what I was recording my audio to. (laughs) Did my text make sense to you? Uh, I didn't really read it. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe I had those AirPod audio. That annoys me. That's not that bad. You only asked one question. Ah, I made fun of you a couple times. (laughs) And it's true. I'm sure it came across. You want to record in camera and do this in camera, correct? Yeah. You also want to edit it live correct yeah how do you do that <laughs> i have no idea didn't think of that never put two and two together i guess i just want it all yeah we're all, we're gonna be at 40 followers by then <laughs> how do you pronounce that finance 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 i think it's meta mass that doesn't matter meta i guess I don't know. meta meta, meta. I don't, who knows how to pronounce it maybe i'll give mark zuckerberg a call um <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> i like that you like that one um nick i want to go but before i do what do you think about this lens eh 
So how come the autofocus wasn't working before? <laughs> I wish I was recording all of that. <gasps> Look at the little fox follows my mouse. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, man. Was this a good show, Fox? Was, <laughs> it, was it too long? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, should we wrap it up now, Mr. Fox? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay.